Hey everyone, you're listening to It's Not Just a Habit, where we talk about the small things that make room for big changes. I'm your host, Zoe Bjornsson, and I'm glad you're here. I'm also glad that Becca Siegel sat down and chatted with me about her journey into minimalism and how she's made a habit out of not shopping and a habit out of selling things in her home. She just sold 103 things as of the time that we spoke. And she just really inspired me to think a little bit more intentionally about how we shop, what's in our closet, and how we consume things on a regular basis. So I really, really like this episode because I think it's a little bit different than our traditional concept of what a habit is. And Becca and I talked about the shopping habit, how to kick it. We talked about minimalism as well as consumerism and you know, how to really streamline your wardrobe in order to make it work for you and to make it work for your life in a way that isn't taking away from your life. So I think it's a really interesting one. And I think it might inspire you to clean out your closet this weekend, if I'm being honest. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. And let me know what you think. Well, Becca is, was on my, my wish list of ladies to get on here because I've always admired her for, for many reasons. She's a traveler, a photographer, an expert minimalist, which was a new fun fact for me to learn amongst many other things. And I've had the pleasure of getting to know Becca through Remote Year, which we both traveled together on separately. Uh, and I'm grateful for her energy and her thoughtfulness and just having her in my life. So thanks for being on the podcast. I'm excited to talk more about minimalism and how it changed your life. I am delighted to talk about minimalism, but maybe using the fewest amount of words possible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Is, that, is that like a contradictory statement to talk about kind of. minimalism in excessiveness <laughs> yeah. um, on podcast? Without being verbose. I'll try my best. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Well, before we get started on all the juicy stuff, I like to start off by asking people how they start their mornings. Mm, I love that. Um, so I live with my fiance, Dan. And we live in Brooklyn, New York, in a lovely one-bedroom apartment on a tree-lined historic street. And and I like, I, are you a realtor too? Is that <laughs> your like? Is that another side hobby? <laughs> I do like real estate. Um, anyway, in the morning, I set the alarm for the two of us, and I'm actually the one who gets up from it, not Dan. And so I get up. Usually, I do some stretching on my yoga mat. And in an ideal world, I clean up the dishes from the night before, which I leave in the sink because despite living in this apartment, that's pretty great. We don't have a dishwasher, which is pretty common in New York. So yeah. all by hand. Um, so I start my morning with doing dishes and listening to podcasts. And typically Ooh. I'll go for the New York Times, the daily podcast, and then maybe do some NPR. Sometimes it'll be The Economist. Um, gosh, but, but typically uh, the, the dishwashing morning podcast is the New York Times. Um, and then <laughs> once Dan crawls out of bed, Dan makes coffee for both of us because I'm not allowed to make coffee because Dan does it better. And so Dan will make coffee for both of us. And by, you know, sometime 
I'll put on like, you know, some athleisure because that's what everyone wears nowadays. We'll get into clothing soon in this podcast, I'm sure. And lastly, Mm -hmm. I'll sit down at my desk with a cup of coffee and a cup of tea and start the day's work. So that is my morning. Two beverages. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were talking about beverages before we started recording, but I'm interested to know more in what the tea is and why you have the two beverages. Because to me, I'm going to call you out. That's not minimalism. (laughs) It's true. Although I think a broader definition of minimalism is things that bring value to your life and eliminating mm. the things that don't. Okay. Happy okay. So you, re- you like reverse that call out on me. Right. So um, I can appreciate that. What I drink in the morning is black coffee because just it's like so concentrated and caffeine feels great. And then so that I don't get like a headache or dehydrated or anything, I drink herbal tea with honey. So I'm not double caffeinating. It's more like I'm trying to not actually get high off of the coffee in any way. And so I today I'm having like a peach rebos from Wegmans with some honey at the bottom. So it's, mm. it's like a balance. That actually sounds pretty good. I mean, I don't know about you, but I I drink a lot of coffee. I don't drink a lot of coffee. Mm. I drink coffee, mm-hmm. but I'm not a addicted to coffee. I don't need coffee every morning. It's kind of just more of the ritual Mm -hmm. that I like. But at the same time, I'll go a week without drinking coffee. I have a cup and I'll be like, whoa, I'm on fuego. (laughs) I'm about to bounce off these walls. And so I kind of I kind of can appreciate that secondary beverage. Mm. That's not water. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you're like, "Mm, I want something more exciting than water in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Although I do need coffee every day. I'm completely addicted. And if I don't have coffee by like 12 p.m., I'll just blame everything on the fact that I didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. My uh, boyfriend drinks like three cups in the morning. And I'm just like, are you a human or a coffee robot? (laughs) Right. Um, So everyone's got their own cup of cup of tea for coffee, I guess you could say. But I think that's really interesting because it's it's. It's funny to think about how partners and roommates and people who live in the same space as us change our morning routines and impact what we do in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that feeling of living with someone, cooking with them the night before, just wanting to hang or like do something else at night and not dive right into a dish full or a sink full of dishes. And it kind of is nice that you've transformed this chore into like, morning podcast cleaning yeah and I I also will um what did I want to say consume lots of podcasts throughout the day in the Mm. daily breaks of dishwashing because the sink itself Uh, is not so big and we cook everything like we we don't really I mean also because we work from home so you know, lunch is something we cook, breakfast is something we cook or put together and dinner is always something we cook. So at any point in the day, the dish has dishes, Mm -hmm. which is great, though, because it means we're, you know, feeding ourselves and have complete control over what we consume gastronomically. So I can't complain about that. I think that's been a pretty big shift for quite a few people, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with the pandemic and learning how to cook or just cooking more. I've been living with my family for um, all of the coronavirus lifetime that we've been in. Mm -hmm. And for the first at least month, my mom cooked everything. We didn't have takeout, we didn't have anything. And it was kind of 
you know, we're a cooking family, but at the same time, that's not everyone's cup of tea and it going back to the cup of tea reference, but it, it, there's just something really powerful and beautiful and kind of like nurturing about knowing mm-hmm. about the, everything that went into your body and knowing where it came from to yeah. an extent um, depends on, you know, where you shop and how you shop, mm-hmm. but cooking for yourself and learning to really sink into that as a habit and ritual, I think is interesting. Yeah. So I can, re- I can respect all the cooking and you're probably saving tons of money too. Yeah. I, I feel like it's, not, <laughs> it's, I mean, it hasn't even become about that. It's more like, I know how much oil was in this. I know how much salt is in this mm-hmm. and I'm creating the portion size for myself. And if I can't finish it, I'll put it away. Yeah. Mm. All about that. Yeah. I love that. Well, food is one thing and shopping for food is one thing, but another thing Mm -hmm. is shopping for other things. That's true. Clothing, things in your home, Mm -hmm. random crap on Amazon. Like I got a bad habit of shopping that sometimes I kick, sometimes I don't. And I know that you kind of went through this phase of of like rethinking how you shop. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know more about that and and how you kicked it and mm-hmm. you know what was the impetus for kicking the shopping habit yeah you actually i hadn't considered this part of my story yet but um okay let's let's be general americans love to shop and we grow up yep. in a culture of consumerism where shopping is okay and shopping at the holidays is okay and shopping for occasions is okay and giving gifts is okay and it's really all expected i mean if you come home with a shopping bag that's okay Um, And for many years, I mean, probably still till now, if you're, well, people used to walk down the street, but if you're walking down the street and shopping (laughs) with a few shopping bags in hand, it shows that you're doing well, you know, you're taking care of yourself, Mm. you're self-indulging, you're being good to yourself because you have new nice things. Um, But something came over me around winter 2017 when well it was actually before then um when dan left for remote year meaning dan and i were dating and dan left to go on this work and travel program that you and i have now done also um Mm -hmm. for 12 months dan kind of got rid of lots of stuff and he sold his bed and he sold his furniture and i held on to a few of his things that you know didn't fit in whatever he sent home to his parents if, Mm -hmm. if at all um showed me and and I had lived abroad also so I had gone to another country with two suitcases at that time um (laughs) and kind of just started over but what was different about when I lived abroad because I lived um I came with two suitcases I lived in Shanghai where I worked for two years and I had a home that I didn't leave I had a home Mm -hmm. the first year and the second year and if I shopped so be it I I could shop a whole bunch and, mm-hmm. and I, I did shop because the clothing and the shoes and the jewelry and the scarves and, and everything was so mm. great in Shanghai. It's known as like a shopping mecca. Um, and I had a great time with that. So anyway, when Dan went away, he had to pack much lighter. And I learned from that process or it, it rebounded on me that like, you know, you can travel around the world and all you really need is a 50 liter backpack if you make it work. So that, that was a good mm-hmm. idea to have. Um, a bunch later during that year, I thought, you know what? It's been, it had been four or five years since I had lived abroad long-term. And I thought, you know, that would be a good goal for me to have in the future just to shake things up again. Maybe Dan and I can make that work in the future. 
And to prepare for that, I tried to stop shopping, thinking the less I own right now, the less I will have to eventually get rid of if Dan and I mm. take this future idea of a long-term trip, which, by the way, we did take, and which, by the way, I was glad that I had stopped shopping in very much preparation for. Mm. So around... Um, it also, I think that moving also makes you really take inventory of what you own. And if you, yep. if it adds value to your lifestyle or if it's collecting dust and you never touch it and you hate looking at it, all these things. So in February, 2017, I moved from the master bedroom of a apartment that I shared with three other girls, meaning I had the most storage space. I had two closets. I had a massive bed. I had all, I had, you know, a desk and a, a plush chair in the room and all these things that I like never even sat at. It was kind of weird. Mm. And I, I realized that I would be okay with less space and it's New York. So having less space is definitely something. You can do. Possibility. <laughs> it's like I had too much space in Manhattan and no one really says that ever. Um, yeah. But I didn't need it all. So when I moved, I downsized a first time, put a bunch of things into storage and I moved into a sublet with a, a very good friend of mine where I had the tiny bedroom and I brought only what I needed and I started realizing all the stuff in storage was stuff I didn't really miss. So this was kind of like the first thing. Then I said, mm -hmm. well, if I'm fine with whatever I brought here, which was in like, you know, a few boxes, and I don't have all my things, but this won't be forever. I said, well, why do I need more things? I don't need to keep shopping and keep loading on different types of clothing that already serves the purpose of something I already own. And so I told myself that, you know, after work or on my lunch breaks, I'm just going to not walk down 7th Avenue in Midtown and stop in stores anymore. And mm -hmm. instead I would go look at things or I would, in the winter, I mean, I guess on your lunch break, it's really easy to stop into a store because you want to get, like, you yeah. want to warm up. Um, yeah. So instead I found other things to do and I would, you know, go to a cafe and pick up a coffee and sit there instead of going browsing and buying something. And so this is the, the first where I got the ball rolling of that. Um, mm. A few months later, Dan and I moved in together, which meant I had to kind of take inventory of all my stuff again, try mm -hmm. to get rid of stuff. But we did wind up moving in together and having some stuff that sat in the closet for the next nine months and that we didn't look at. Yep. Um, yep. And so it took moving a few more times to really get into I had already stopped shopping at that point. Um, but just getting more comfortable with the mindset of, oh, I don't need so much stuff and I don't need duplicates of everything and mm -hmm. and I can be more organized and I can have more like visual space to just like make me calm if I don't have mm -hmm. so much stuff. Um, and so that is how I stopped shopping. I love it. Yeah, the duplicates of things really hit me because I'm thinking about the, all the white t-shirts I have in my closet right now and I only wear one of them because that's the one that I like to wear and it fits they say well. you only wear 20% of what you own or they say you wear 20% of what you own 80% of the time I believe it I believe it I mean knowing you and knowing Dan and how much you both have traveled I think something interesting to also touch on is like souvenirs mm -hmm. and memories from these places and you mentioned Shanghai um and all these beautiful places that you've been to some of them I can relate to because I've also been to but you'll want to buy the cool robe in Thailand that you see that's you know 20 bucks and it's adorned I mean I literally have one in my closet right now I've never worn it but I had to have it yep. because it represented so much totally. to me and how do you balance 
that piece of travel Mm -hmm. um, and especially for someone that might be new to minimalism and and wants to kind of think about that mindset but isn't quite ready to Mm -hmm. like dive fully in how would you approach that aspect of, of traveling such a good question coming from someone and that someone is me who used to tell myself, oh, I haven't really been somewhere unless I picked up this thing that I always buy in the places that I go. And for me, that was tank tops in Southeast Asia. Because <laughs> they, and so, and I would wear them. It's like travel apparel, or it's like the travel uniform. Yeah. When you're in Southeast Asia, you need to make it look like you're not a newbie and that you've been to Laos, and you've been to Vietnam, and you've been to Singapore. When you're in Malaysia, you need to be wearing a shirt from Thailand to show that you're really good at oh the region. Oh, my god! And it's like a badge of honor. So I had a stack of tank tops from Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, Philippines, you know, everywhere I had been to once, twice, three times. To show like, oh, I've been doing this for a while. Like, I mean, here I am. Um, and then so it's also, you also, I, you, when, when you're in the place, you're like, oh, this tank top is totally something I'm going to wear for the next year. But then you get back to mm. your home, back to your job. And you're like, why did I ever pick that up? Like, it's not socially acceptable to wear that yep. in New York. I mean, <laughs> elephant pants, like right? elephant pants totally fit into that, um, kind of concept and it's something like yeah I'm going to wear this a hundred times and then you get home and you're like I'm not gonna go walk to CVS in these like this is not the vibe so I can can understand that but sometimes I would wear my Thailand pants to CVS anyway just to be like I am I am out in my Thailand pants look at me 100 (laughs) Um, yeah I wound up with a lot of this backpacker apparel and I mean it's not something you wear on it every day and so the I want to say like the most recent time I moved, I finally got rid of a bunch of it because you know the decals are like cracking due to mm-hmm. so many washes and the colors are yeah. fading and whatever else is problematic with them. But okay, what would I say to someone who wants to start embracing minimalism gradually, um, who also does want to kind of create memories and have things to hold? Um, first of all, I'd say collect your own photographs and. You don't even have to print them. I'd say keep them in your computer and look at them when you want to. And if you need something visual to hold in your hand, do what I've done here on the wall, which is print six photos and hang them up with some hanging wire and clothespins. And it makes a really nice way to tell yourself, like, look at all the Mm. yourself. Look at all the places I've been. Um, Yeah, I think we have a tendency to keep photos a little too hidden, like. Or just on Instagram. And I I mean, sometimes I'll go through my Instagram and scroll back years and years. And I'm just like, damn. Yeah. That's cool. But it's also nice to have like something Mm -hmm. in the home. So I love that. that. And we've uh, here in our home, we have been particular about the photos we choose to frame on the walls. Like they should only be the best ones Mm. or the ones that are most emblematic of a trip we took. And I have also focused on, um, being picky about the photos I choose to print, meaning it shouldn't really be, you know, a standard um, scene that you could easily print off Google. It should be something about you. and It should be something yep. you did or you mm. ate or it should be you. And it's, it's not narcissistic mm. at all, but it's just the premise that, like, 
you can go into Google Images and you can print the exact same photo of, um, you know, the shot off like the end of the trail at the mountain or the gate with the reflection in Bali or just something like so iconic and cliche now, you should make it about you so mm-hmm. that it's your souvenir. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I will also offer that I have found jewelry to be kind mm-hmm. of like a nice small mm-hmm. thing to acquire and only stuff that I really, really love and yeah. would wear at home. Like I'm not buying giant costume yeah. earrings, but as someone who does like to pick up something, I think that is kind of a nice way to transition without mm-hmm. being like, I'm going to buy a tapestry that I cannot even right. fit into my yeah. And I'm totally guilty of just collecting the little tchotchkes and the little things because a lot of times when you're on the road, I like I've never been the the one to buy something and be like, oh, well, it's so big. I'm going to ship it home because I know I won't see it for a month. And by mm. that time, it'll kind of lose the novelty. Yeah. Um, but I have been the type mm. to buy something really small and non-breakable. The only issue is that I wound up with a lot of small and non-breakable things that I purchased on these trips, just like from an yeah. artisan or you know, um, I have this, I mean, this is really cute. I have this handmade rhino made from like a Coke bottle that I got in South Africa. Um, and it didn't get crushed That's in my cool. luggage. So it, it's sitting right up there with my lamp, but I've tried to downsize those types of things I've collected by saying like, is this really going to look good on my dresser or, you know, is it a toy that some mm. child and, you know, could play with and be happier with, um, yeah. so trying to be picky yeah. and choosy. That's it. Yeah. Trying to be picky and choosy. I I think it's also fun to call out that you and Dan started doing half-half travel as a part of kind of a way to collect and share those memories. You guys were apart and you were taking these amazing photos and then merging them. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that elevator pitch is, but I think that that was such a beautiful way instead of being like, Oh, I'm going to Mm -hmm. Argentina and I'm going to buy him this. My dog is whimpering in the background Uh in her dream. So that's a fun part of podcasting. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you, you were, instead of sending him something, you were creating this like new memory and obviously it's built and grown a huge following, which is amazing. And that was like a secondary add on, like, little yeah and then it it came full circle because we did wind up printing the photos and we do give them out as business cards and we Mm. do have them hanging on the wall and when our friends come over they're like oh they have our photos we're like yeah they came out of instagram and now they're in our apartment so but they don't take up any space and if we ever want to change up what's on the walls they just fit into a little stack of you know note note card size or whatever they are Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. not too much created love that Yeah, exactly. So we've talked about how you were kind of inspired to get rid Mm -hmm. of your possessions. And now how do you even like part with them? Like, what is that process? Um, It's such a good question. And I think there are there's so much to say about moving in with someone and meshing two lives together. Because you really have to say like, Mm -hmm. oh, do we have two of this? Well, we have to pick one or or we both don't like that we've been like owning whatever something useless is for years. And how can we give that back, whether it's donating or, you know, even leaving it on the street and hoping someone picks it up, but like, how can we make more space for us and, and not have our things like controlling our space in our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. So back to your question, kind of how do I like bring this purpose? Um, I have started the habit of, going through really just using my eyes to dart around my home all the time 
and look at things and say, is this something that, you know, hasn't provided value to me in 12 months? Well, maybe it would provide value to someone else. So I'll put it up for sale mm-hmm. on Craigslist. Or if it's like a pair of shoes, I'll put it on Poshmark or this website called Mercari, where people can buy your things and barter for them. And then you just send them off with a shipping label. And so that has helped me mm-hmm. continually downsize and kind of just make me feel like, I, I don't want to say like nowhere is forever, but I mean, it's true. We live in, like, we don't own our home. I would say not so many millennials mm-hmm. do, but um, we know we'll be moving. So why continue to collect more things that will have to be packed up in boxes next May? Is what I like to keep thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good reminder, especially for anyone that's kind of in this transitional phase where you know you're not going to be in a place for very long. I mean, I'm reflecting on my apartment in New York. I moved out last year. I lived there for a year and a half and it was um, it was my own. It was a tiny studio and it was lovely, but I kind of knew I wasn't going to be in New York forever deep down. I'm from California. You know, I have friends all over. I, you know, just, I just knew New York wasn't my forever place, let alone that tiny apartment in Alphabet Mm -hmm. City was not my forever place. And it took me like a year to even hang photos Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. walls. And then like six months later, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to wrap these up in bubble wrap and put them in storage. And it was just kind of like, you know, how do we better approach that this transitional phase in our life where before you're ready to Mm -hmm. really settle down and what, what does a home look like in that phase? And I think it can get a little confusing and conflicting when we're constantly on Instagram and Pinterest and seeing these homes of people that are just like filled to the brim, not necessarily with stuff, but they're beautifully decorated and like, that's what I aspired to. I was like, oh, I want my home right. to look like this. But then I had to remember, like, I'm living in New York and I'm barely making enough to pay my rent. And, like, that's not where I am. Like, I am not mm-hmm. owning a home in upstate New York that has, like, the design taste of a 45-year-old <laughs> man. Like, it's just like... We gotta, yeah. we gotta kind of like find that calibration between where we are and what's possible now. And sometimes I forget. Like I was even reflecting on this in my family's home. You know, we've lived in this home since I was born, mm-hmm. and there's been renovations. There's been, you know, all sorts of things that have happened. And we used to have this white leather chair in the living room. And I saw a picture of our living room the other day, our family room. And I was just like, oh, that's what it used to look like. Like it was not, it did not look like good. Sorry, mom. But like our, like the decoration of our home growing up was just like purely functional Uh because my parents were working parents. They had two kids, like they needed to focus on what was important. Mm -hmm. And also my parents really valued and exposed us to traveling. And even if it was just going to like Yosemite or Tahoe Mm -hmm. or getting out, like that's where the money was going. And it it takes a while to like build your personal style in your home and decide what you want to put in Mm -hmm. your home. And for a while it can and should be purely functional. And I think millennials with our exposure to everyone and everything at every single time think that like, that's what we should we should have what we're supposed to have when we're 40, 45, whatever, yeah. when we're like 25, 30, 35. And 
that that might be part of it. Like, are we becoming maximalists too early? Like, we sh- minimalism should be like a rite of passage for someone in this phase mm-hmm. of life. Is kind of what I'm feeling. It's also, I think, again, what you said about like this phase of life. I think what I've noticed about the things I've accumulated by age 32 is that they represent like 10 years of my previous 20s. Mm. Like, um, I even just texted a friend yesterday and I was like, do you know what I'm wearing? I'm wearing that sundress that I got when we were in Hanoi, when we were 24 years old. And she was like, I don't remember that. And I was like, doesn't matter. It's become my sundress. And that dress is like, I I don't know. No, we were 23 years old. That dress is nine years old, but I still have it because it hasn't broken yet. So that's kind of like my mantra, like um, don't throw it out till it breaks or find Mm -hmm. someone who maybe has a better use for it than you do, but it functions Mm -hmm. as a sundress. And so it's my dress for the park because it doesn't give me any tan Mm -hmm. lines. That's its function. And it, but it also represents travel. So it happens to be something useful that I got on a trip. But so what I'm saying is a lot of what you can look back on when you hit your thirties is like a lot of the things I own are purchases I made in my twenties and do those still Mm. suit my lifestyle. And if not, find something better to do with them and replace them with maybe, you know, combining five items into one item that's going to last you for the next 10 years because it's made well, um, you know, made from something that's not going to fall apart and like avoiding fast fashion and just, um, I guess, condensing what you own into meaningful things rather than a mass of things that represents past years of your life. Yeah, I think that that the concept of having clothes that are particular to a function is really interesting because I think about a winter coat or a coat that I wear when I go skiing every 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not a skier. Um, and those ha- those have function. Like, you have a purpose for when you're wearing them. When you're in New York, you wear that winter coat every single day for like five months straight and that's that but we don't really have the same approach to basics and the sundress and like the park Mm -hmm. dress and if you shift that thinking a little bit and i'm not saying i've done it like i'm I'm having a realization in this moment right now because of you becca so in when you kind of shift that from being oh i want all these things to be all the possibilities for when maybe i go Mm -hmm. to the park maybe i go to the beach like what is your outdoor dress? What is your, you know, working clothing? Like, I don't really know what it is, but attaching more of a function to our clothes to reduce the, like, mental load yeah. it takes to choose. Like, that's another part of minimalism, of being able to not get overwhelmed by, what do I wear today? Because I have all these options. You're just like, well, I know what to wear because this is my uniform. Like, I had a one of my old bosses or the general manager at an agency I used to work for shout out Matt um he wore the same thing every single day and I was like I wish I could do that I wish I could wear jeans and a top or a top you know where a top he's a man right. he would wear like t-shirts and the same yeah, yeah yep. Steve Jobs but he was like way way cooler and I was like but it didn't it didn't look like Steve Jobs because he just had a little bit more style to it and I was like that is what I like that's what I aspire right. to and as a woman I think it's slightly harder a little bit harder because a we're marketed the heck out of everything and every clothing piece in the Mm -hmm. entire world trends impact us more and 
like I dresses are like and skirts are more summer. Like we just the the seasons impact That's us true. differently. But getting into that uniform vibe as a purpose of function and reducing your mental yeah. load and choice, I think is, is it's huge. huge. And it's like it's why they say people like Steve Jobs because he had like one outfit or so successful because yeah. he didn't spend ten minutes in front of the closet every day. Which if you spend ten minutes yeah. picking out your uh, outfit every week, that's 70 minutes a week, which is probably Ooh. 300 minutes a month that if you have one black shirt and a pair of jeans or even multiples of those, but you just know that you're going to wear the clean one today, you've saved all that time to put into valuable time in your life. Oh, I love that. And I love that for people. I well, I'm shouting out, not shouting out, but I'm calling out all the people who have told me that they don't have time to develop new mm. habits because... They don't yeah. have time. And I'm like, well, how long are you taking to pick out your clothes in okay. the morning? And if it's 10 minutes, then you have 10 minutes to meditate or you have 10 really? minutes to do a quick yeah, yoga yeah. flow. So there it is right there. Like, where can you save time mm. in your life? Like, it's not only about saving space and money. It's about saving mm -hmm. time. And it's kind of like, I mean, I'm guilty because I'm preaching what Dan was saying before I was saying it. But Dan went on when we repacked our bags to go to spend, I don't know, two months in Vietnam and Taiwan about two years ago now, mm -hmm. um, Dan brought seven shirts and most of them are black because Dan <laughs> likes black shirts. And I had like mm -hmm. a blouse here and there. And I was like, what if I want a shirt with buttons? And like, I'll bring this. <laughs> I brought a tank top that I didn't wear once in these two months. Yep. And I actually just sold it. So I feel great about that. I'm like, if that shirt didn't bring me value during that trip, it still took a place in my bag. It still went into the total, you know, mm -hmm. weight when you get weighed at the check-in counter. Like, why did I bring that shirt with me the whole time? Um, mm -hmm. And now I sold it. So I I would tell people that Dan traveled with seven shirts and they'd be like, how? Well, I was like, well, we're staying in an Airbnb. We're always going to have a laundry machine. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, I mean, I don't know about the average person and how often they do laundry, but between the two of us, we do laundry every seven days. So frankly, mm -hmm. if we owned seven days worth of clothing, we'd be fine. But we have, you know, these yeah. drawers and these closets. And, and one more thing I, I need to express is that Dan and I share a dresser <laughs> and Dan and I share a closet. And mm -hmm. that might be crazy to some people, but we have just been more mindful about how much space we let our clothing take up in our lives and we continually yeah. try to shave it off and downsize and and I have some things that like I wore twice last winter because I was like I might as well wear it but this winter it, mm -hmm. I would be very much better off donating it because it, it's like not not my favorite things and you should mm -hmm. only be wearing what makes you feel great and confident and there there's definitely yeah. things in everyone's closet that don't bring them that type of feeling the Marie Kondo yeah, sparks joy does it not spark joy get rid of it <laughs> I know, exactly. I mean, I think Marie Kondo totally spurred a lot of, of the shift in thinking. Mm -hmm. And then also, even the Black Lives Matter, you know, movement is, you know, particularly with George Floyd's death, and like people starting to think more about buying mm -hmm. black and things like that, and just being more cognizant of what you are buying. Mm -hmm. Like, who made that? Who started that company? Where is it made? Yeah. Like there's so many questions to kind of go through and I'm, I'm grateful that it's happening now. It's been slowly happening. Mm -hmm. Like this, I just felt like kind of a, a burst in energy towards that more ethical, sustainable, sure. conscious, intentional thinking mm -hmm. around what we're buying. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think it's, it's, it's time for a change and it's time for people to really start knowing 
what they're buying yeah. and being a lot more a lot more intentional mm-hmm. about it. Sure. Totally. So you've been selling these yeah. clothes. You told us how to do that. Uh, but how do you do it like continually? Like I've hopped on Poshmark, mm-hmm. I've listed a pair of shoes and then they didn't sell after a week. So I was like, screw it, I'm deleting this app. Ooh. Like I just I like couldn't get into it. I could not get into it. And and since I've sold a couple of things, but that is a habit. Like, and it's also you gotta do the shipping, you gotta you can send offers, like there's all this stuff in those apps that you can do in a fancy way. But like how do you keep up with that in a way that's sustainable for you mm-hmm. and also, you know, make sense from almost a financial perspective? Yeah. Uh okay. So my uh accomplishment of the week is that I just sold my one hundred and third thing. It- Ooh, out of all my 103. Things. You're up from like three, the la- from the email. Yeah, which is which is great because every every week I'm like, oh, things are slowing down, and and honestly, like there is just more stuff I want to get rid of. But I was saying to Dan one day recently, it's a little more overwhelming if you get a trash bag together and you're like, okay, we're donating all these things. Well, then maybe you have a gaping mm-hmm. hole of where all those things came from. And to make it more palatable, to make it easier on your mind, if you put your things up for sale, like consider what you own to be kind of like a store. And think if you were to mm. sell this one blouse that you haven't worn in three years, if you were to sell it tomorrow, would you notice and would you miss it? Mm-hmm. So I've tried to tell my mm-hmm. stuff stuff like that. And I did sell two blouses out of my many work blouses that I used to wear to work when I went to an office, which is not now. (laughs) (laughs) And I sold two of them last month and I don't miss them. And they they haven't created a big gaping hole in my closet. In fact, I've gained back the use of two hangers, which I was like running out of. That's crucial real estate. Yeah. Um, So I have two hangers back. Things are looking a little better in there. But... I, I sold things that I don't miss and that I'm happier going to have a better home to someone who's, I don't know, going to get better usage out of them. And like, I, I yeah. put my clothing very well. So whenever I sell it, I'm like, you know, there's, there's no defects, mm. anything like that. Yeah. Um, but how Got do it. I continually do it? I think it because I let it continually give me joy. Meaning mm-hmm. if I were to sell another blouse tomorrow, I'd be like, yes, another hanger free because I'm not wearing any of my work blouses. I'm wearing like this shirt, mm. like I don't, it's, and by the way, it's like a workout shirt with like a racer back. I wear this shirt every week because we do laundry every week mm-hmm. and I'll just wear it to shreds because it's the most comfy. And when I'm wearing this, mm-hmm. I am full of joy because I'm like, oh, it's so comfy and soft and it just fits right so every comfy. time. So I, yeah, it's, it's like that. I, I, I think that's really interesting that it brings you joy because if I'm going back to my nerding out about habits and the habit loop, it's like cue routine reward. Mm. Like what is the cue for you looking around your apartment and being like, I didn't wear this. The routine is selling it and figuring out that whole flow. And the reward is I just sold something. I just got some money. This brings me joy. Like what can I sell Mm -hmm. next? It's almost like an adrenaline rush in in a lot of ways. And the fact that it brings you joy just speaks to how easy it is to create something that, it's the opposite of what used to bring you yes. joy, which was shopping on your mm-hmm. lunch break and being like, this is a new habit for me because I've flipped the switch on my thoughts and emotions yeah. associated with something and created joy from something that's the exact opposite of what used to bring right. me joy. And I think that's just such a beautiful lesson in anything you want can be a continual habit, whether you do it every day, every month, yeah. every week, like 
you just have to set yourself up for success with that whole process of the cue, the routine, and the reward. And you're so right because it's also that I have turned a 180 on my priority. My priority mm-hmm. used to be, and this might, I mean, you could say in these times that this has become a product of quarantine lifestyle, working from home and not really yeah. caring what I'm wearing on a day-to-day, but my priority used to be like, the signal of success to me is that I have an array of work attire that I can wear to the office and look great and still feel great when mm-hmm. I when I go to a happy hour after work and and this is my mm-hmm. image um, and and my priority is having this choice where if it's winter I can wear this set of blouses and in the summer I have these dresses and now my priority is creating more space in my closet so that I have more hangers free. And so that I just know that the boxes won't be so heavy the next time I move and and yeah. getting rid of the things that are maybe two years out of style that I don't care for. And that's the priority now. So it's how can I make that priority turning into that reward you mentioned. Yeah, and I also just want to touch on the fact that you went from a very, um, gosh, what is the term? Uh, oh man. I had it right there. I'm going to have to cut this part out of the podcast because I just sound like a ding dong. Um, immediate gratification. Yeah. Long term. You went, you, okay. you went, you shift, you shifted from being able to, ugh, God, I'm having such a brain fart because someone texted me. Yeah. Um, you shifted from going from something that brought you joy immediately, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. shopping. And you get that like, hit of whatever it was that made you happy to long-term gratification mm-hmm. and planning for your future and knowing that if you don't buy something now when you move in six months whatever yeah it's going to bring you more probably more joy than mm-hmm. it brought you in that moment when you bought something and i think that's a huge shift in consumerism in general mm-hmm. uh, and leaning into the marketing and all that. So I think that's also something to call out. And that's, that's something that takes a while to, to kind of cultivate. You don't, immediate gratification is something we're all used to and that we all want, whether it's, you know, a phys- something physically in our hands the moment we ask for it, or again, that like joy or adrenaline that comes from it. And mm-hmm. you kind of need to shift that thinking for yourself in order to, to really lean into some of this stuff. Yeah. I also think it's so incredible that we all, unless you're already a minimalist, and I once read about this guy who travels in a bag and, like, you know, doesn't have a home. He's a nomad and he owns 52 things. Like, his things are in the number of 52, and everything else just comes from as a product of wherever he's living and renting or, you know, doing laundry every five days, however you can make that work. But the average person who lives in a home full time, whether that home is rented or shared or owned, we have so many things that if we were to sell one thing each week, you probably wouldn't even notice it for a while. Mm. If you get rid of one thing each week, you wouldn't notice it for a while. Mm -hmm. For example, I have so many pajama t-shirts. I've even gotten rid of some pajama t-shirts, but I still, if I were to lose one tomorrow, I wouldn't notice. Yeah. What are you going to do? If you were to lose one pair of shoes, you wouldn't notice unless it was your favorite and you were wearing it 80% of the time. Mm. But so much of what we own is still just like something we bought once because it made us happy that day, that week, that month. Mm. and it it hasn't gotten the love that I mean everything you own should receive yeah interesting I love that uh kind of concept of 80% of it like what are you wearing 80% of the time like just lean into that yeah there you go (laughs) 
<laughs> that shirt um, yeah. and, and focusing on that. So, I mean, I f- in general, I feel like we've covered this, but I love the question of asking, you know, what's the one small thing that mm-hmm. made room for a big change in your life? I think I, I think mm-hmm. I know what it is, but in like one answer, like how do you, how do you think that these changes you've made over the last couple of years have truly changed your life? Changed my life. Um, the changes I've made over the last couple of years have changed my life by limiting my attachment to material things. Because, again, I'm going to quote the uh, Minimalist podcast, mm-hmm. which I listen to whenever they come out with a new episode, um, and the minimalists.com. And the, what they ask you to think about is if you were to stand naked or let's say in your favorite outfit that you wear 80% of the time, if you were to stand in front of a mirror, think about what defines you. Is it your closet full of clothes? Is it your dresser full of things you collected while traveling? Is it your collection of shoes? And are your friends people who like you for you, not for what you own? And after you think about those things, think about your attachment to everything else and how you would still be you without your closet and mm-hmm. without, you know, that trunk of things under your bed that you're just trying to sell because that is what is going on with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what has helped me th- with this habit over time is just, I, I think as you get older or maybe as you peak in maturity, Realize, realizing that working on yourself doesn't mean also working on your closet and the collection of things that you mm. own and and that your image, whether that's online or through work or through your friends or through your family, is based on your actions and your feelings and your words and who your how your personality shines, not, you know, your shelves of books or your whatever it else is that you've accumulated over the mm-hmm. years. And you will continue to be you despite the collection of things in your house and mm-hmm. despite these things that you've um, turned into your belongings. So kind of turning to that mindset and hoping that this mindset follows me throughout the rest of my life and that I can share it with other people. Yeah, I love that. Well, I, you know, I was going to ask you for the one habit nugget that you'd want to share with the world, but I feel like you just did. You just <laughs> like it was that minimalist quote and learning yeah to develop the muscle of investing in yourself rather than investing in things will Mm. be a lot more powerful for anyone in the long run. Yeah. So I guess my habit of advice is challenge yourself to stop shopping as a hobby Mm. or, or as what society tells us is retail therapy Mm -hmm. because the real therapy is, I hate to say it, but the real therapy is getting rid of things to kind of lighten that mental load we talked yeah. about. Yeah. Mm. To put time back in your life. Yep. Well, there's a challenge for people or all you listeners mm-hmm. out there. You <laughs> got to start, like, just try not to buy something for a week. I've done it. Right. And yeah, I think I've done it. Yeah. Like, I had a month in, where I didn't buy any new clothes. Like, I bought new mm-hmm. stuff for the house, not excessively, but. For a month, didn't buy any new clothes, and it was just so freeing, and definitely right. saved some money. And yeah. I think it's something that everyone should try. Like, just give it, give it a try, see what happens, see what opens up, when what unfolds, what new opportunities come, whether it's from your bank account or from that time in the morning that you now have to meditate or you know yeah. whatever it is. But uh, I think that, that that's super powerful. 
Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for for being here, being on, sharing your journey of minimalism and how you've made it a habit. I really, really appreciate your time and hopefully we'll chat soon. Great. Yeah. I'd love to um, keep in touch. Well, with you, of course, and with anyone who wants to reach out. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you'll share in show notes how anyone can contact me. And um, I'm always happy to chat about changing lives and putting time and free space back into your day, weeks, and months, and years. I'm also glad that Becca Siegel sat down and chatted with me about her journey into minimalism and how she's made a habit out of not shopping and a habit out of selling things in her home. She just sold 103 things as of the time that we spoke. And she just really inspired me to think a little bit more intentionally about how we shop, what's in our closet, and how we consume things on a regular basis. So I really, really like this episode because I think it's a little bit different than our traditional concept of what a habit is. And Becca and I talked about the shopping habit, how to kick it. We talked about minimalism as well as consumerism and you know how to really streamline your wardrobe in order to make it work for you and to make it work for your life in a way that isn't taking away from your life so i think it's a really interesting one and i think it might inspire you to clean out your closet this weekend if i'm being honest so i hope you enjoy Thank you for listening and let me know what you think.